Welcome back to this week's edition of the Retronomapod, a pop culture and nostalgia podcast from our past, present, and future. As always, I'm Toby. Here, half of your... God, I'm going to get it right one of these days. I don't know. I need to pre-write that. And as always, on the other side of this virtual world from me is my co-host, Rick. Yep, coming at you live from the interwebs. <laughs> the interwebs. One of these days we're going to do it in person. It's going to be fun yeah. and awesome. And I'm going to have a round table and we're going to eat charcuterie. That's Ooh, really just fancy. Lunchables spread out on a wooden plate. Yeah. I'll I'll take it. I love Lunchables. Me too. Then we're going to wash it all down with some Capri Suns. Yeah. Or Maybe you. We'll into... Oh, you who you who always kind of freaked me out because it was always like it wasn't ever refrigerated when you bought it. So it was like, huh, it is. I thought it was chocolate milk. But yeah, I mean, it's like chocolate water. But <laughs> that is true. That is kind of weird. It looks like chocolate milk, but yeah. it tastes like chocolate crack. Yeah, it's pretty good. I could Drink name one you who. I could for sure mainline you who. That's a weird looking IV drip though. <laughs> yeah. It looks it looks like poo. <laughs> Chocolate rain. <laughs> oh God. Off the rails already. How's it going, man? Have you watched anything, played anything lately? Uh yeah. I mean, well, yeah. We we did stream a little bit this past weekend. Um, I had a buddy over. We got to play some more Need for Speed Underground because once people realize that that's back in the rotation, they want to play it. Uh, I sure. also played Mortal Kombat Shaolin Monks for the PS2. Ooh. I don't know if you've ever seen that game. It is a garbage uh, Mortal Kombat game. And I'm sure someone out there loves it, but it's kind of like a 3D. Um, and when I say 3D, it's not like a side-by-side fighter. It's not like a versus fighter. Like mm-hmm. you can move around like you're in an arena and there's some like cheese kicks and stuff. That, I mean, same thing with the original Mortal Kombat, but not a great game. It's a fun game to play if you're hanging out with a friend or whatever, because it makes no sense and it's not Mortal Kombat proper. <laughs> fun game. And then uh, I played some 007 Nightfire, another PS2 game. And surprisingly, it looks like an N64 007, but it's dual joysticks, which makes movement so much better yeah otherwise i am still watching sabrina the old sabrina old sabrina with that melissa joan hart yes man talking about an awakening i tell you what man what's funny is like (laughs) when we were growing up like melissa joan i mean we all know like for for kids like me i know melissa joan hart because of clarissa Fuck yeah. So I wanted to climb through her window. No, God. Mm. <laughs> I saw a picture of her today and she was all like snaggletooth and stuff. Like, I don't know about I don't know about anyways. Uh but personally, and I'm not ashamed to admit this, but I have a thing for Aunt Zelda, especially now, like as a grown man. Like Aunt Zelda checks a bunch of weird boxes I didn't realize I wanted checked. Is she the taller one or the, yes. the- okay? Hilda, Hilda is the more fun one, you know, and yeah. I'm not saying that yeah. she's not attractive or anything like that, but there's something about Aunt Zelda 
that just mm. <laughs> I don't know what it is. That face says it all, my friend. It yeah, is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. How about you? I know. I know um, you got a a fun nostalgia trip down memory memory lane for us. But do you watch we'll anything else? To, um, let's Play see. Anything? We've watched. Let's see. Uh, I played Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I've been working on the side quests and that because that's what you do. You do the side quests and then you just accidentally stumble upon the main quests. Yeah, it's a you know open world games. That's what happens. Uh, I've been reading uh, Ready Player Two as yes. well as um, this comic that came out a few years ago by John Hickman, which is kind of a revamp of the X Men franchise called House of M and Power of X which are like two different comics that intertwine, but huh. are separate. It's, it's wild, but it's really good. Cause it, it's kind of revitalizing the X-Men franchise, which needs to happen every few years with anything. Um, and then just kids shows, you know, Bluey's God, the best kids kid show out there. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Should we get into it with the weird question of the week? Let's get it. This one's wild. Yeah. Uh, what if Peter Pan was a vampire and Captain Hook was a vampire hunter? This kind of makes sense to me, okay? Because in my head, Peter Pan was always kind of like a little shit, you know? Yeah. And Captain Hook wasn't necessarily like a bad guy, but he just wanted the fucking kids to get off his lawn, you know? Like, that's what it always came through <laughs> as to me. So if Peter Pan was a vampire, it would really cement captain hook being the good guy and there was a reason that he was always fucking with peter pan and peter pan had like magic and shit yeah captain hook was just fucking captain hook yeah like think about the parallels like he's got he's got uh parallels with like dracula so peter pan can fly most vamp and then uh he's got a sentient shadow um the fact he doesn't age but vampires uh, don't have shadows, when, right? Have Wait. you ever seen the movie Dracula by Coppola or whatever? Was it Coppola? Wait, that is it or no? It's reflections. They don't have reflections. Reflections. Okay, scratch that. Continue. But, but then also as he brings new people into his fold, his flock, so to speak, they don't age. Ah, you see what I'm saying? And they follow him hmm. like he's a vampire. I but mean, Peter Pan's a vampire. It's, and Captain Hook's just like, gotta get rid of this menace. He's just a Van Helsing to Peter Pan. Yeah. Huh. I mean, look, when you put it that way, <laughs> it it does it does make a lot of sense. It it makes a lot of sense. They don't age. The sentient shadow thing is is odd. But well, if you've ever seen Dracula with Gary Oldman and Keanu Reeves. Uh, his shadow is constantly, whether it's just like a second behind him, like as he turns, the shadow will take a second before it follows. Oh, so to speak. or like it'll like creep kind of creepily and then it'll go back to being a shadow. Like, yeah. Hmm, OK. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now you've pretty much ruined my childhood. Uh, <laughs> but no, that tracks. I, I'm. I, uh, it's kind of tough because you make good points. That's a very good point. Peter Pan may be a vampire. Maybe a vampire. That seems Could very imagine, likely. Imagine that gritty reboot in a world. 
Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of him just grabbing kids to fly out the window, he's biting their neck and then flying out the window. Oh, shit. Yeah. They're like, Neverland is like, really Transylvania. We've all seen Lost World. We see what happens when people transform. They'll do crazy things. Yeah. Well, David was such a cool God, fucking so vampire fucking cool. man. Like, Jesus. He's just so, such a cool motherfucker in that movie. I, I turned me into a <laughs> vampire. Yeah. We're going to definitely do like a little bit of a uh, nostalgia trip on that because that movie, hands down, probably one of the best vampire movies ever. I mean, don't you dare try to put that above Twilight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I respect the fact that they did their own thing with Twilight and had their own kind of like rules for their world like to each their own yeah like they sparkle in the sunlight instead of burn yeah exactly like hey more power to you but my vampires are scary my vampires are seductive and sexy and all the stuff that goes along with it not to say the twilight folks you know weren't but that's a whole god we're going on a side tangent yeah anyways (laughs) peter pan was a vampire yeah, and Captain Hook is just trying to hunt him down. Shmee! Get him, Shmee! Look. Okay. I mean, Captain Hook's just trying to save the kids. He knows what's about to happen. He's just trying to save the kids. What What happens if Peter Pan uh, sucks the blood out of, out of a mermaid? Do you think he gets some wild powers? Uh, No, because vampires don't just gain powers of the people <laughs> they suck off. That's that not how sweet. that works. I think that would just be one less mermaid in the world. <laughs> or a mer-vampire. I don't know. I feel like Mer-mer-pa. mermaids, contrary to popular belief, are probably aggressive. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but it, they, unless you go towards like mermaids were sirens, which makes a lot of sense, especially in fairy tales. Yeah. But even if you look at it that way, they're still little assholes. I mean, they were literally coercing sailors into rocks and yeah. sure death. Yeah. Mermaids yeah. are assholes. Oh, and then have, you've seen Co- Cabin in the Woods, right? The mermaids in that. Uh, Cabin in the Woods is the one that has all the like interchanging. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I have not. <laughs> you <laughs> fucking shit. You should check it out. They've got mermaids in it and they're. Not what you would think, uh, uh, you know, no starfish bikini tops for them. That's for sure. I mean, I want my mermaid to look like Ariel. Little hot redheaded thing walking out of the sea. Like perma white hair. I mean, today is, uh, uh, as the day of this recording is, you know, kiss a ginger day and, you know. but Oh, you're saying <laughs> I could have made out with you and it wouldn't have been weird? <laughs> I mean, not that weird. I would at least have no a more than you. No more than usual. <laughs> now everyone knows you're a redhead. I'm not quite red. It's like light brown, red. It's color of the rainbow, folks. I didn't realize you were colorblind either. Yeah, well, you know, secrets <laughs> are being spilled. That tea <laughs> just got spilt. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so we got some fun entertainment geeky news going on. So um, the president of DC uh, Video. I thought that was going to go somewhere else. 
<clears throat> DC Films, Walter Hamada has been renewed for um, uh, three years. And he's got some pretty big plans with uh, WB slash DC Films, where he wants to basically um, put out two major movies that go to the theaters and then two movies uh, for lesser known properties straight to the HBO Max, which is kind of ruffling some feathers because he also just wants to release basically like Dune's coming out this year. And he basically wants to take those big movies, but also release them on HBO Max. Which, concerning the climate, isn't a bad idea for those who are still a little leery about going out. But something like Dune, I mean, I, I've i personally never read the books, but I've heard the fan following behind that movie. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it would work out well because someone like me who doesn't have necessarily a vested interest in Dune would be more likely to watch it. But that being yeah. said, it's it's real tough for me because of what they're charging to watch it at home. At that point, if I'm going to spend that kind of money, I would rather go to a movie theater. But you may be right. I mean, with the current climate the way it is, maybe these people don't want to go out. But I think part of his plan is just to release it on HBO Max and hope that they can get new subscribers that way. Not necessarily to do the upcharge thing, if I'm understanding it correctly. So if they're doing that where he just puts it onto the thing, then... I don't know. It, I don't know. A lot of directors are like really pissed off about it because it's like, whoa, 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 that's not what I signed up for. And they all, you know, get points on the back end where they get a percentage of the box office. And, you know, if that's if that's their main goal is to make money, they're not in the right business. But from an understanding of, you know, I'm going to make you a, mil- a, a movie that could possibly make you a billion dollars. I expect my 10 percent or whatever it might be. Yeah, that's quite a bit of change. So they're working on kind of starting these packages going forward to be like, okay, here's the contract for theater. Here's the contract for streaming kind of stuff. But Hmm. I mean, we could get some really cool stuff going to HBO max, like Batgirl or static shock, you know, some of these lesser known characters that would be really cool to see maybe a Batman beyond down the road. Okay. It would be cool. So it's, it's kind of, there's some goods, there's some bads of, of the thought of that, of, of him staying on. Cause he's, he's had, really good wins under his belt and i think that's why they re-upped him to be like stay with us wonder woman or wonder woman 84 was decent joker shazam aquaman were all great so it's like you know that's that's kind of the thinking behind it so that's just a little piece of news so he was he was current or i guess is currently the head still and they just renewed his contract to continue Yes. Okay. And he and he's just planning to really revamp. And uh, part of it is that any license like Batman, they're going to release that Batman movie with Robert Pattinson, and they basically want to do that and anything they could spin off. So they're going to do another Gotham uh, a police department show to go along with that movie. So it's kind of like he's trying to create these, you know, little worlds. Okay. And try to like ring every property for every cent that they can get which could be good depending who they get involved in the quality and stuff. But DC's hit or miss sometimes with the quality. Well, and they can't really do the same thing as like a Marvel because like the way Marvel intertwined their universe was a lot easier because their universes were already technically intertwined. You know, all Marvel was necessarily based in real places. You know, they were all based in New York city for the most part. And DC stuff is fictional lands, you know, like, yeah. you know, they're not crisscrossing Aquaman into Gotham, 
Yeah. Yeah. No. I I mean, uh, Marvel really earned their place to be where they are because they took ten years to make all these interwoven stories, like you're saying. They really earned where they're at, and they've all been quality. So it's like they earned it. Whereas DC wanted to do exactly what Marvel was doing, but they went, "Here's a Batman. Here's a Woman Wonder Woman. Now Justice League." They didn't yeah. earn it the way that you know uh, Marvel really took their time to go. Here you go. Yeah. And now we're getting now we're yeah they're just we're pulling at, big so. names out of their hats pretty much. They're like, exactly. what made us money in the past? That'll make us money in the future. They see what the competition's doing and basically trying to be like, oh, we can do that. Let's just, oh, you see how they just did that? We're going to do that. But instead of taking the time, 10 years, 23 movies to do it, they're trying to do it in, you know, three years with yeah. five movies. So, huh. but we'll see what's to come out of that. We'll, we'll kind of keep an eye on it and that kind of fun stuff. Well, um, yeah. Something else cool that came up this week. Uh, Epic. You know, the creators of Fortnite have decided that they are going to not going to. They have purchased a mall. Uh, currently, Epic is based out of Cary, North Carolina. Um, anybody that's ever watched Dr. Disrespect, he will not call him Epic. He'll only say the boys in North Carolina, um, which is a weird place for a company as big as Epic to be. They're just in. North Carolina. Um, originally, Epic was founded in Maryland, I think. I'm pretty sure. But hmm. Epic just went and purchased a mall. It is going <laughs> to be their new campus in Cary, North Carolina. They purchased the Cary Town Center. It's a 980,000 square foot site. And it's just down the road from their current office. It's slated to open in 2024. They're going to rebuild or I guess refurbish the inside of the mall. But this kind of brings up the question. Do they keep some of the stuff? You know, they're not going to, of course, I'm not saying that they're going to have a hot topic inside, but things like the food court, you know, or the restrooms. And the only reason I bring this up is because Recently, I've learned that the Microsoft campus, not only does it have its own zip code, but they have a dentist, an optometrist, a barber, uh, and a couple other things on campus that are strictly not public. They're just for that campus. And with Epic buying out a, a mall, you just hope with that little bit of video game nostalgia stuff that they may pump through that they keep just something, something from that mall, you know, a little bit of history that if people are doing tours of the campus, there's small things that still resemble what used to be, you know, a mall, what during the eighties was probably the most booming place in this little town of Cary, North Carolina. What do they keep? That's wild. I mean, the food course seems like a no-brainer. You That's what almost, I was thinking. If you're a company that, that is that strong where you've got employees, why not, like, have your, you know, you know, whatever you want in there, the burrito place, the the uh, salad place, the burger place, so that way people have options. And, and then a hot know, dog on a stick. Exactly. Like, here's your Wetzel pretzel, you know, have a good time. But, yeah, absolutely keep, like, the old signage from the – 
you know, the uh, uh, Oriental shop that sells all the weird, cool ninja stuff. You keep that because it'd be fun to be like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to do my work in uh, in the old KB toys. I don't know if that's one that uh, toys. Yeah, probably not. But, you know, like and if there's an arcade, you keep that up and running. Yeah, you I didn't even think about that. But you almost have like the arcade is the if you got the arcade, the arcade, you have to keep the arcade and especially being a game developer, yeah, that'd you be know, weird. <laughs> and they create the Unreal Engine. Why not have the arcade still there? You know, food court, 100 percent. I think you keep the food court as is, you know, even if you want to rearrange the businesses within. But the arcade, you would think they have to. And they're going to do some sort of like PC cafe or something in there, especially where they would do like game testing. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like keep those pinball machines going and the ski ball in the. (laughs) There ain't no fucking pinball machines in a mall arcade. (laughs) Well, the ones I remember as a kid, they had some, but yeah, that'd be rad, man. That, that'd be the way to go is just to do that and maybe change the signage to like, you know, reference the old shops that were there but make them with like a tech or gaming like lint to them so it's like instead of macy's it's like games i got nothing yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) anyways i thought that was cool you know like i said it's just the it the only thing i dislike about the entire thing is it just makes me it really puts into perspective that we just may not have malls for very much longer. And I'm not much of a mall goer now because I just don't need the high end shit that they put in malls. I do go into the Oriental gifts though. And that's not racist because in our malls here, the store is actually called Oriental gifts and you can buy bongs and katanas (laughs) and anime dolls and white tiger blankets and incense. And that's just what's in that store. Bruce Lee's posters, weird yeah. statues, the bamboo that's inside of a bamboo holder. Blow dart guns. Oh, the blow dart guns. Sometimes Shurikens. airsoft guns. Oh, man, airsoft guns. Some. You could definitely get airsoft guns there. Yeah. Get yourself a pair of nunchucks that for the first, you know, five minutes, you're like, I'm the best. And then you whack yourself in the nuts and you're like, oh, I made a mistake. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, I was never a nunchuck kid. No. No, man. No. Anytime I saw him, five bucks. Psh, there we go. I got some nunchucks. No, until the padding I, flew off, and then you'd hit yourself with the hard bit, mm. and then you're like, I don't like it anymore. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, that's cool, man. I think uh, I mean the mall's definitely big enough to have that kind of a a campus to be able to do your work and have enough space for all your employees. I would imagine. Yeah, I'll be curious yeah. on what it actually turns out. And we'll find out. Like I said, it's slated to open in 2024. I'm sure there'll be some sort of virtual tour. Yeah. Um, Big it should be cool, though. There'll yeah. be a bunch of Fortnite statues, I'm sure. We'll see if Good Fortnite's even a thing in four years. Right. I don't know. They're still going pretty strong, but you're right. But moving on to some, some really cool news. You like Nerf, right? Those old foam darts. Pow. God, pow, yeah. pow, pow, pow. Yeah. Well, Nerf is coming out with this dinosaur line. Um, it is called the Dino Strike. 
and there's these cool blasters. There's there's four different guns, uh, three Nerf ones, and then one like super soaker type uh, gun. But they look like dinosaurs mixed with a gun. So they've got like a T-Rex one, a these Triceratops one. They're fucking bananas. Dude, the Triceratops one, it's called Dino Squad Tricera Blast. This thing is badass. Yeah, it's like dude. Sky blue and red. It's a pistol. The Triceratops is a pistol. Oh my god, it's a break action pistol. Yeah. Clack, clack, clack. Dude, and then like the Rex dope. one is, is is motorized that'll shoot 10 darts and it's motorized so you just so good oh yeah it's like an God. ar a submachine gun and a, like an actual pistol the stega one is more of a pistol than anything yeah it's your pullback cock it and then shoot not good for little kids but that's okay and then the super soaker is freaking great too like it's, look the super soaker <laughs> What I needed the super soaker to be was a brontosaurus. Right? Missed opportunity. Why didn't you make a long neck, like 30 gallon super soaker? And I know that's an exaggeration or whatever, but like you had that chance. You could have brought yeah. out the AR sized, you know, blow out. your friend off the chair super soaker and had yeah. like the one, you know, herbivore amidst all these carnivores. Yeah. That was a missed opportunity. opportunity. Missed opportunity, but these are cool though. And, and I will say that the T Rex one is the T Rex one is fire. The designs are so cool though. The in, the Stegosaurus with the cool spikes on it. Oh, they did oh, great colors is. too. Like their color combos yeah. were were sick. So vibrant. And yeah. they, it looks like they're not that expensive. No, the 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 high end highest end one is forty bucks, and that's the motorized um, T Rex one, which is oh, like, yeah. that's not bad. So yeah, we'll get together and shoot some darts at each other. <laughs> you know, I was real disappointed in Nerf. Uh, I guess I was probably like, I was probably seventeen or eighteen. This this is already starting off bad because I'm disappointed in Nerf at, as an eighteen year old, uh. but. <laughs> I remember when, like, the I was probably 17 or 18, and they came out with the sniper. Like, and, it, and this thing looked like a 50 cal. I mean, it was four feet long, you know. And when we saw it, it's like, it's like an $80 Nerf gun. And I was just like, yo, this thing is badass. So we buy it. Well, as 17, 18 year old kids, we're not reading anything. All we're seeing is we have a, a sniper rifle. Yeah, and I think on the box it says shoots up to seventy feet. Yeah, all right. And in our heads, I'm sniping you on the run down a football field. <laughs> seventy feet's not that far. It's <laughs> it was a- just like it was super disappointing, and like it, it, it just it was pew, and it just fell. You know, just- and I don't know why, but in my mind, I was expecting like an airsoft distance Nerf gun. Like I was going to shoot this little dart, you know, 300 yards. And in reality, I could have kicked an empty soda can further than that dart went. (laughs) That's, that's kind of the downfall of Nerf is that, you know, you want it to be airsoft or paintball, but in the end, it's really meant for like, I know not indoors, but like inside your house works really well for them because it's, 
close enough, but it feels far enough when you're shooting somebody up the stairs. Yeah. You know, now, but when you go outside, somebody gets 20 feet away from you and the dart's just going, I'm not going to make yeah. it. That being said, have you ever messed around with the um, the in-strike Nerf guns? Um, yeah, I think my buddy. With the, and, and the balls? Yeah. Okay. Now, those ones are like young adult Nerf guns. <laughs> they come out hot. Oof. Hey. Uh, my, my my nephew has like quite a big collection of them. My brother's been able to find them um, through thrift stores or whatever. And I tell you what, those things are, they can be a little nasty, especially at close range. Like it'll leave a well. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty great. I remember the the big bazooka where you'd like crank it. Chicken, 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 yeah. And you'd get to the point where you couldn't do it anymore. And you're like, yeah. And then you'd aim it at somebody and be like, you're dead, motherfucker. And then you'd shoot it. Oh, uh, yeah. Good times. Yeah. But yeah, fun dinosaurs. I mean, combining Nerf and dinosaurs, two of the best things in Earth, smashing together, yeah. great designs. You never know. Well, I may I may end up with one of those. Hey, you know. You know what? Daisy would not be happy. <laughs> There's a reason. I'm not I already have a little Nerf gun. It's like a Dollar Tree Nerf gun. And <laughs> I had one and she had one, but hers was never opened. And now I don't know where mine's at. And hers is still unopened somewhere. But she did not like it. Because I find it every once in a while. And it's not great. With chase her around the house. Shoot. I don't chase her anywhere. I don't light her up as she's sitting there watching <laughs> alien <Hey>! shows. <laughs> Come on. The Bigfoot's not going to find itself. Cow. Yeah. Uh, on to other movie news. Uh, Deadpool 3 has been... I mean, we knew they had the writers with the uh, Molyneux. No, that's I. their name is. Sorry, I'm messing up their names, but they had the gals writing on it. Well, oh, Ke yeah. Kevin, Kevin Feige, the president of Marvel Studios, um, has came out and said that next Deadpool movie will be R rated. And, and that's because of the Christmas one, right? Because Deadpool one and two were both R rated, but the Christmas one was like PG-13. Yeah. So of course they're yeah. going to come out and say that it's going to be R rated because that's how that's what Deadpool should be. It needs to be. And yeah. you know, it's a fun little like side thing to do with it so kids could actually watch it, but it definitely is its strengths is in its humor and the 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 over the topness of it all. But yeah, Molyneux. he's basically out, Yeah. Wendy Molyneux. And then it's also, and Deadpool's also going to be fitting inside of the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is one of the biggest gripes when Fox was acquired by Disney is that what's going to happen with Deadpool? How is he going to fit in with the family-friendly Marvel movies that we've had in the past few years? Yeah. That was one of the big questions. Where's Deadpool going to fit? Well, Feige says he's going to get in there. It's going to be R-rated. He's a different kind of character, but it sounds like they've got a plan. And Ryan Reynolds and the Molyneux sisters, they're working on it. They're currently writing on a, writing the script out. So fingers crossed, but we're getting a movie. We're it, getting number it would three, be so. cool. Now hear me out. It would be really cool for them. Cause in theory, Deadpool's not going to be able to make his way into a lot of everyone else's movies. But if you were able to bring a lot of the MCU into a Deadpool movie, where like Tony Stark can cuss or you know 
damn, I just got sad again because Tony Stark's not around. But like when you could bring other <laughs> MCU characters in that were allowed to be R-rated as well. Like if the Hulk could come in and be like, fuck this, Hulk smash. You know, like something like that would be awesome. But and I'm sure they'll be able to bring Deadpool into other parts of the MCU, but it really would be fun if they were able to bring some of these guys into Deadpool's space, especially in a rated R space, because in theory, that's going to be the only rated R MCU movie we ever get. There's really no reason. I mean, I guess old school, like Rocket Raccoon and everything was pretty vicious for the Guardians of the Galaxy, but Deadpool really was R rated from the beginning. Yeah, and it definitely needed to be, but it would be interesting to see, like, you know, like you said, Incredible Hulk. Imagine what he would do with an R-rated movie, or imagine throwing like somebody like Peter Parker, Spider-Man, in with Deadpool. That's like a that's a dream relationship matchup yeah. that everybody wants to see. Like, let's see these two interact and see how crazy it can get. So, possibilities are going to be fun to see what he does, how they're going to add him if he goes into the bigger, or if he just kind of pops in says hi and then pops out or whatever they do with them. It's great. Cause Ryan Reynolds sounds like he's totally on board, which, you know, at this point, sort of like, uh, Hugh Jackman is Wolverine. Yeah. He is Deadpool or Tony yeah. Stark, Robert Downey Jr. Nobody else is going to be able to handle that. So here's hoping the next Avenger movie features that, but you know, fun stuff. Um, moving on to tabletop gaming news. So D&D, you know, one of our favorite uh, role-playing of all time, just kicked off 2021 in a very kind of big way. Uh, they introduced their first uh, wheelchair-accessible dungeons. You what? know, representation. Yeah, representation's pretty important in all avenues of life. And in this particular, um, over the last few years, there's been this push for, well, what about us folks who are, we don't have the, you know, movement that, I mean, sure, we could play a character that has this, but it doesn't quite represent me. But now they have, um, looks like 17 adventures from 19 different designers are coming together to create this book that basically has 17 one-shots adventures that you can run where it's all wheelchair accessible. And there's even uh, folks out there who are doing um, 3D printed um, little miniatures, oh, which look awesome. freaking badass. Um and but yeah, that was just something I wanted to bring up because I think it's really cool that Wizards of the Coast is doing stuff like that for folks who who want to be a part of it completely. Yeah, I mean, look, if you have something bad to say about a wheelchair accessible D&D adventure, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Uh, that being yeah. said, the reason that they're making this other than the fact with the wheelchair accessibility, it, it's it's a really cool concept because. Like you said, it's a collection of 17 one-shot adventures, which is awesome because you can kind of throw those in randomly when you don't yeah. want to start a new arc or, you know, mo- most of these arcs are built to level your character from, you know, one to five or five to 10, you know, et cetera. Whereas like this one would be like, hey, we're missing a guy today. You know, the full group's not here. We're going to burn one of these one-shots. It's a two to four hour story that you can bust out in a night and from a standpoint of D, that's a very nice thing to have yeah yeah for those yeah it's just kind of a great concept and 
don't know. Just something that I wanted to bring up because it is very. That is very. super cool. You know, <laughs> especially in something like D&D, which is always built to be an all inclusive thing, you know, yeah. and from a from a handicap standpoint, it, it, it was always a a release, not a release. That's not what I'm trying to say, but it was a way for someone who could be someone else could be whatever they wanted in that world. You know, they didn't have to be handicapped in Riverdale or, or, you know, wherever they could be whatever they want. But that also being said, they can be themselves and be the hero that they wanted to be and play through a story exactly as they sit now, you know? Yeah. That that's a really cool yeah. thing. I, I think that is awesome. I hadn't seen anything about this. Um yeah, but this it literally is really got cool. released today. So uh it was something that I had to talk about. Um mentioning the book, it's called The Candle Keep Mysteries. Uh basically it's like a library that people can stumble upon and each uh, each book is one of the different adventures or something that they can like almost like a treasure map they found or an adventure they found where they can the characters um play playable characters can grab a book and then go on this adventure so it's pretty cool man but yeah that's exciting (laughs) i I will definitely buy that buy that book i want that book so last week you talked about uh nostalgia with the um uh, uh 3d doritos Oh yes. Well, recently they just released Dunkaroos. Oh, I saw these. <laughs> well, being the fat kid and not wanting to miss out on an opportunity to talk about some retro food, I got some for for me and the family. Okay. So we sat down and we had some Dunkaroos and it's basically exactly what you want it to be. Awesome. It's cookies and it's frosting and that's it. Like And you just no pour it in a bowl of milk. No, 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 the Dunkaroos, the, it had, it's I know, but isn't pack. it cereal? No, no, no. Dunkaroos are they just are straight the, Dunkaroos? Uh, straight Dunkaroos. Yeah. Did they not make like, a cereal? They Two? might have. Oh, that dude. One. Am I missing out on something? I must've missed out on something, but no, it's basically the container and you got the little cookie department and then a little uh, frosting compartment and you just dip it as much or as little as you want to do. Make a little sandwich. It's okay. kind of great. When I saw this in the show notes, I I swore you were going to be talking about the cereal. So I'm about oh. to blow your fucking mind because Shit. I got excited because we, like we talked about last week, I guess, or the week before, I'm losing weeks. For the New Year's <laughs> thing, I said that I'm not drinking milk anymore, um, being yeah. lactose intolerant. So I got excited because I figured I was going to live vicariously through you who got the Dunkaroos cereal and you just went and got straight Dunkaroos, but they just released the Dunkaroos cereal as well. Oh man. It looks like cookie crisp. It looks like cookie crisp. It looks like, um, what is the cake? The birthday cake? Funfetti. Funfetti. It's like cookie crisp funfetti. It, yeah, it's it's not quite I I don't know, it could be good. I mean, how do you mess it up? How do you mess it up? Really? I mean, it's literally taking something that should have came with milk anyway and just putting in milk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah. Dunkaroos are great. They're exactly what you wanted to be. Uh my one gripe is that they don't have the fun like kangaroo shaped cookies. Really? It's all just like a 
a circle with a D on it. But the flavor bastards. As we know, I mean, look what Doritos did. We don't get the fun little tube. We get a bag. Recap on the Doritos thing. Did okay. Try those. I actually enjoyed both, but that's. Were they not bugles? They, they yes, you were absolutely right. Like, like seeing what you're talking about, they're bigger and they're yeah. And by no means was I saying that they were bad. You know, it was it was more of a hatred disappointment that they weren't yeah. what I wanted them to be. But I am part of a nostalgia page on Facebook, one of many that I'm a part of. And someone had posted something about them, and like the top. 10 comments where people are like, oh, they're just fucking bugles. They're just reflavored bugles. And I was just like, damn right. Like they're just bad bugles. But I mean, they're they're fine, you know, but they're not. They're not 3D Doritos. They're I I would say they're a step above bugles. I'd rather have these new 3D Doritos over a bag of bugles any day. No. Because there is a what? Yes. No. Cheddar, straight cheddar bugles, or even the stock bugles, is still better than both of the new 3D Doritos. 100%. Huh. I, I still buy bugles, especially if I'm at the Dollar Tree or something. Bugles are still a play. I can't fit great. them on my fingers anymore, but oh, they're still man. good. Whereas the 3D Doritos were like, no, bugles are still better. Old 3D do Doritos, the with bugles, new 3D Doritos. You, you ever do the vampire with the uh with oh, the bugles but, uh, where you stick one with it like oh, oh, oh. or if yeah. you see how many you can get across the mouth to see if you yeah, can yeah, get yeah. like your sharp oh, teeth. Uh, I'm a monster. Yeah. Yeah. Just a couple of idiots. <laughs> Dunkaroos. Now yeah, you're gonna have to try the cereal for me though. Now now I gotta locate the cereal and and, and try a bowl and um, uh, I'll I'll report back. Please. And there's also a Pokemon cereal out right now. And the pictures that I've seen, they're usually staged right next to each other. So I can't have it. And I'm not going to eat cereal with no milk. So don't comment or email me and say, oh, just eat them. Like, no, bitch. They're not chips. It's cereal. It's supposed to go in milk. I'm not eating them with water. I'm just not going to eat them. I was just going to say, you could be one of those crazy people. Or, you know, I I can't judge anybody for that. Like, but just the idea of cereal and water is not a, that's not, cereal to me that's you having a snack that yeah with some water <laughs> yeah but no i'll let you know I'll, I'll hunt those down and if i can i'll pick up a box and definitely will uh before we it. get into our our last segment here i do want to kind of give a shout out to uh magazines i purchased magazines sort of i purchased a digital magazine so as you guys know i'm a huge retro gamer i collect old video games new video games more or less old video games and short of like game informer nowadays there's really not a a good game magazine whereas we used to have electronic gaming monthly gaming monthly um yeah nintendo power like just amazing ones yeah uh game four game force was that it game four no I know what you're what talking was that about. One? It was game something because every April I'd have to buy the SU because they would do an April Fool's edition of it, and and they would do like mo- like the middle section of game it would pro. be like parodies of games. Game Pro, yeah, that was my go-to. That was a good one. It, had, it covered everybody: Nintendo, Sega, 
whatever you need, cover everybody. Yep. But the best part was how much fun they just seemed like they were having a good time with it. The way that yeah. games are, we're having a good time, and they'd give legit reviews. You'd get cheat codes in the back. Oh, fuck! I miss magazines. Yeah, me too. Me too. I miss magazines and catalogs. So that being said, sadly for us here in North America, we cannot get a physical version of this magazine. It is a UK-based magazine, and it is called Retro Gamer Magazine. And it is a current put-out monthly magazine that talks about retro games. And they do sprinkle in new releases, stuff like that. You can buy it physically, like I said, in Europe. But here in the States, they at least allow us to get it digitally. So I picked up the year, so 12 issues, for 12 bucks. They have an app oh, wow. on the iPhone and Android, and they have, they're partnered with another website that will allow you to look at it through a web browser. Um, that, the mm-hmm. Retro Gamer app on the iPhone is fantastic. Um, you can do it on your iPad too, I'm sure. But it is it is great, and like I said, for twelve bucks, the magazine is pretty big, and it does just go over some cool stuff. Like the the issue that I'm currently reading is uh, Turrican. They're talking about the history of Turrican. It's like a Super Nintendo game back in the day. Um, but it's just fantastic, and I wanted to give a shout out because I still enjoy magazines. I still have a subscription to Game Informer because why not? It's fifteen bucks a year. And have a shelf full of old game informers. But the Retro Gamer magazine, especially for someone like me, where it at least gives me an outlet to, like, instead of just searching through forums or some of these websites that are out there, it gives that old school feeling for me of looking through a monthly gaming magazine. It just happens to be about old games. Um, So shout out to Retro Gamer magazine. Again, you guys can just look it up. Just Google it. It'll send you to their website. You can buy the magazine from there. And it's 12 bucks, 12 issues, dollar an issue. Have it on your phone. Read it while you're pooping, wherever magazines are found. Read it while you're pooping. That's what I do. So what else are you going to do in there? (laughs) Anyways, moving on. (laughs) So our big nostalgia trip grab uh ride this week is something that is it's i don't know I, how to explain it but it's i have to say those, you went old like, i went older than me yeah like this is this is going back uh almost to my dad's childhood mm, teenage no, years not far before you <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like let's not get carried away um but uh this week's uh, nostalgia is Monty Python and the Holy Grail 1975 is when this movie came out right seven years before I was even a concept yeah 14 before I was god that's crazy right Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah let me just let me dig into some of the information about it Uh, directed by Terry Gilliam and Terry Jones this was their first ever film that they ever directed um coming out uh, between uh, series three and four of the Flying Circus show that they were working on. They had this idea. They wrote it out in between, and they were like, hey, let's make a movie about um, old England. And they did. It was written by and performed by Terry Gilliam, Terry Jones, Graham Chapman, John Cleese, Eric Idle, and 
Michael Palin, who are the Monty Python. Yeah. Terry Gilliam is so strongly known as the art director of it. Those animated little features that you see is all him. That's oh, his okay. style. That's his thing. So um, he he's, you know, they've all had careers that are huge, but we're going to try to stick right to the Holy Grail. because Especially because we, it's so it, big. They're, it's, <laughs> they're British. So the fact that some of their media made it to America, not only made it here, but did very well. Yeah. So a lot of their, you know, especially early stuff, the stuff that never, I imagine, I can only imagine what some of their other stuff looks like. The, some of the stuff that we didn't get to see, you know, in North America. Well, it's like flying circus is one of those ones sort of like Dr. Who where it came over, but it only came over through PBS. And okay, unless you were yeah, a diehard yeah. watcher of that, you, that's how you would catch some of the stuff that even when we got, it was probably a few years after the fact, but that being said, um, let's see. They got funding from, I found this interesting. They got funding from rock bands, like not BBC, not some movie company. They got a lot of their funding through uh, rock bands like Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, what? Genesis, and even Elton John threw in some bones to get this Let's thing. Let's go. Made. Right? Like pretty freaking amazing. That is Primarily, super cool, actually. It, it's wild, right? And uh, it was primarily the, oh, what are they called? The Envir the Scottish Department of Environment declined them using more than just, I think they had use of two castles uh, because they were afraid that property damage, because they're trying to keep these things historic. Yeah. And uh, so they basically had this castle that they use for a lot of their shots called Castle, I'm going to mess up the name, uh, Duone, D-U-O-N-E. And that's sure. where... They, they did a lot of the interiors and stuff with that, shooting at different angles to make it look like they were at a different castle. But really, it was just the same castle, <laughs> which is wild. Um, they wanted to have horses in the film originally, but they couldn't afford it. It just wasn't in the budget. And that's when they they just turned on a dime and were like, you know what? coconut <laughs> it may be one of the greatest comedy things ever done it, it for, for no one that's ever seen this movie i just want to explain the opening is, scene go and see it pause the talk <laughs> okay um yeah yeah it, it, first of all <laughs> if you haven't seen monty python and the holy grail you have to watch it it is streaming on netflix right now but what yeah. he's talking about with the coconuts, I, I see. I, I just thought that that was a comedic genius thing to do. I didn't realize that they actually had a reason on why they did it. But the opening. Was, oh, go was, ahead. It was just for the budget. And, and they got the idea from old radio shows that used to do fully work to help, like, really build a story, build the sound profile. That was an old technique that they would use is clapping two coconuts together to get the horse sounds. So they basically took that from radio and were like, ah, that'll work. It's so perfect. <laughs> so the opening of this movie is they come through the fog and you hear horse hooves. Like, like somebody oh, is galloping down the trail. And then you see the top of who is King Arthur. And behind him is a man with coconuts. Making horse galloping sounds. Arthur is riding nothing. He's got his hands in front of him like he's holding the reins of a horse. He is trotting as he <laughs> walks down the trail. And the guy behind him is 
Just first of all, that is the most amazing coconut galloping I've ever heard in my entire life. And I don't know if it's ever been reproduced as well as what it was done in that movie. But that man deserved a raise for how good those coconuts sounded. Yeah, that was um, uh, the the let's call him the horse for King Arthur was actually one of the directors, Terry Gilliam. He was Percy. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> sorry <laughs> uh yeah the, uh, uh so it, it opens with you know old films they used to start with the credits in the beginning yes but instead of it just being your usual here's this person directed by here's this person they did something fun they still had all that but they also had these pseudo swedish subtitles going yeah. underneath that started just saying words and then they started talking about moose and how you should come yeah. visit Sweden for their moose and then film the film stops and then you get black and white subtitles the person who was responsible for the subtitles has been sacked and then it starts back up subtitles start again more about Swedish moose stops again so, <laughs> the person who was responsible for the sacking has officially now been sacked what's funny about that too is because you don't notice you you don't really notice the subtitles in the beginning. It's not something that really like you can definitely tell that it's like kind of weird because like you said, they use like the pseudo Swedish Viking subtitle language. Yeah. You know, yeah. and there's crosses through the O's and stuff. But you don't notice it. And like you said, it gets to a point where they start talking about there being a moose in the road and some <laughs> other stuff. And it and it cuts. Like the film's just like it's just like the guys in charge of the subtitles have been sacked. So when it restarts back up, it goes through the credits as per normal. But if you pay attention, there are now credits for the people that dress the moose and the people that <laughs> the choreographer for the moose, you know, and just weird shit all still about the moose. And they cut to black again. And they're like, the people responsible for sacking the people for the subtitles have also been sacked. And this is how the movie starts. Like, you haven't even... Yeah. Seen, there's, there hasn't been a scene yet. <laughs> we're two minutes in and we're already going, what the hell are we in store yeah. for? And the final part of it is that it completely changes the black and white visual style. Goes into this rambunctious, high energy, epileptic lights and colors. And then it starts talking about the llamas. <laughs> The llamas. <laughs> and the credits are all jacked up and the names are something llama or moose related. Oh, it's, it's insane. There was a name in the end of those credits that I shit you not was 38 letters long. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was just, I mean, that's not an exaggeration. It took almost the entirety of the screen. Yeah. It's uh, uh, Michael Palin wrote those. Um, as a way to entertain the captive audience at the beginning of the film. <laughs> it's brilliant. It, it, I mean, it was absolutely brilliant to start the movie off in that way and it not even be the funniest thing in the movie. I mean, yeah. even in 2021, and, and I just watched, I, I just rewatched most of it. Um, I'm not going to lie and say that I did not fall asleep towards the end, but that was because I was running low on sleep. Not because the movie itself wasn't entertaining, but even in 2021, and like we said, this movie came out in 1975. 
So 14 years before I was born. I'm 30 now. It's this 45-year-old movie. Still fucking hilarious. Like, still so good. Every, like, them writing this is seriously like them sitting down and being like, okay, what do we want to happen in this scene? What what's the what's the through line? What's the arc of the story? But what can we do to make it hilarious or have a line that's so rememberable that it'll be repeated and yelled at them until they die? Like, and, <laughs> and even when we first started talking that you were going to do Monty Python, there is one line in the movie that still to this day I I find works for so many things throughout the world, and. There's a point when Arthur fights an, an unbeatable black knight <laughs> and Arthur cuts off his arm completely and needs to pass this bridge. And so Arthur cuts off his arm and he's like, you have been defeated. Now let me pass. And he's like, tis but a scratch. And they continue <laughs> to fight. This dude, the black knight fights him with one arm. So Arthur yeah. cuts off his second arm. His other arm. And he looks down, looks at Arthur, and he's like, is but a flesh wound. <laughs> and kicks him. And look, he's, he's still fighting. <laughs> it, for, again, from the credits to credits, there is not a five-minute period in that movie that I don't at least chuckle or giggle to myself. Yeah. Even if it's... Just saying, like, what the fuck? Like, what yeah. is what is happening? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. wild, we, and they just played around with the whole thing. Like, even when yeah. they released it to home video, they had subtitles specifically made for people's for people that don't like the film, and essentially used Shakespeare's Henry the Fourth Part Two, and just had that go through their whole film. That was so the, the subtitles who, to the movie. Yeah, that was an option <laughs> you could choose. <laughs> they just fuck uh, you. Yeah. You don't like it? Cool. Watch a different movie while watching this movie. Read a different movie while watching this movie. Basically, yeah. Watch the silliness and think that this is what they're saying or something. Like, it's it's it, genius. It's just another layer of like, we're going to make this funny. How can we play with the subtitles? Oh, we're going to do this now. It it really is. And for me, like, we're pretty close in age. But even for me, by the time I was old enough to realize, you know, how good the movie was, by the time it was shown to me, you know, the movie was 20 years old, 20 plus years old. You know, my, my dad showed me this movie. I, I have to thank my dad for a lot of the movies that I saw growing up. But even back then, you know, my dad was like, you you have to see this. And it's not a rated R movie. It wasn't something that he had to worry about showing me. It's not yeah. Porky's, you know. <laughs> I, but even back then, when I'm seven, eight years old, and I didn't get half of the jokes, you know, you don't, it, there, there's stuff even that young that just goes over your head. And now as a grown man and that my taste in humor, I could rewatch that movie three times in a row and still not catch yeah. All the little zingers and throw-ins and, and just how intelligently put together that movie really was. Yeah. Doing background things with with people and like little things. You're like, 
was that lady just beating that rug with a cat? <laughs> yeah. Huh. Or the monks that are odio oh, and then smashing their face with a wood block. <laughs> like <laughs> it's so weird. You're like, all right, is that some historical thing? But it's so weird that you're like, okay, we're gonna just accept it for what it is. Yeah, I mean, the entire movie is just based off of Arthur trying to get knights to protect Camelot. Yeah, basically, uh, King Arthur and his knights at the round table embark on a surreal, low-budget search for the Holy Grail, encountering many very silly obstacles. Yeah, that's that's an understatement. <laughs> oh, and the he, Camelot song? Where, yeah. For no reason? Let's Let's go to Camelot. Oh, Camelot, Camelot. They're holding it in such reverence. And then it cuts to them inside Camelot. And they're singing, we're knights of the round table. Yeah, we come, we like are able. Tap dancing and on the table and shit. Freaking playing the drums on the helmets and smashing the poor waiter. And yeah. they're making a mess of the place <laughs> while they're doing that. And then like, then at the end of it, they're like, no, let's not go to Camelot. Tis a silly place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they just continue on like nothing ever happened. <laughs> It's no, we're good. Look, I'll I'll say it again, and I'm I'm sure Rick will do the same thing. But do yourself a favor if you've never seen it. I'm sure a lot of you guys have Netflix, and if you don't, get Netflix's password from one of your friends because they have it. And it's an hour and I think 32 minutes. Yeah, so, it's I a mean, short it's watch. Yeah, boom. But it goes by. Because every scene is just chock full of stuff. And it, yeah. you feel like you're getting a meteor movie. Like it feels like a two-hour movie because it's just so filled with stuff going on. No matter whether it be the Trojan rabbit or or the killer rabbit. Like yeah. either one. Like it's. Uh. Yeah, it, it, you're, it, it's, it's amazing. You know, and I know that it was voted one of the best comedies of all time. And yeah. it still holds up. I mean, I, I don't think that there's many comedic movies that come out that not only are as funny as that one is, but as smart as that one is. You know, everything from the first castle he tries to gain entry to, and instead of the guard allowing Arthur in, all he does is throw bullshit questions at him. He asks him how he got the coconut. You know, they they make reference to the fact that He's not on a horse. The guy even says, he's like, there is no horse. He's like, it's just a guy with a coconut. And instead of them delving into why he is doesn't have a horse, why he doesn't have a horse, they delve into how he got the coconut into the middle of England. Yeah. <laughs> this climate, a temperate zone. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not like a maybe matter. a bird carried it in. It's a swallow? It's like, it's not a problem of how the bird grabbed it. It's a problem of weight distribution. He's like, how does a four-ounce bird carry a one-pound coconut from a tropical region to England? He's like, what if it's an African swallow? It's like, that would make sense. But we don't have African swallows. They'd have it to be an English swallow. And it, it, to the point where Arthur just turns around and walks away. <laughs> but two birds grabbed it from each what are you oh my god and they, and going out about it they're just like forget it forget it uh uh bring out your dead like bring classic. out your dead this movie is so quotable that 
Um, back when I was younger, my dad, same thing, introduced me to this movie. But us going out to go LARPing, that would be quoted all the time. Lines would be thrown out. And as a kid, it would be over my head. But as I got older and went to different conventions and, and different things, Monty Python gets quote, quoted. To this day, it's still getting quoted at conventions and yeah. LAR LARPing places. But yeah, bring out your dead. Such a great scene where he's like, bring out your dead. Oh, yeah, they're just <laughs> walking a wheelbarrow full of dead people, assumably from the plague, because that would have probably been close. But he's just walking through. And the guy brings out a live person and tries to pass <laughs> and tells the live person that he's dead. And the live person over his shoulder is like, I am not. And he's like, yes, you are. And eventually talks this, this guy into taking this live person all but after he <laughs> smashes him over the head for an extra bit of money. But they even talk about when they're going to do the next rounds of picking up the yeah. dead. Like it's trash day. It's such a dark topic to to you know the the black plague and all that. It's such a dark topic, but they make it they make it so light and like, oh yeah, that was probably a thing that really happened. Like yeah, but here they are making fun of it. Like I don't really like this guy. Would you mind taking him off my? Head? <laughs> yeah, it just I mean that's just. Hey, I'm starting to feel better. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> I think I'll go for a walk. <laughs> the uh that dead body is actually you know later in the film they have the historian who's talking about the film and oh back in arthurian times blah 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 going on the history oh yeah and then out of nowhere uh lancelot comes by and like or a knight rides by and cuts his throat and he dies yeah. that that dead body is actually the dead body from the beginning but huh yeah well i mean yeah. look when you have a budget i think their budget said four hundred thousand or something which is um yeah, four hundred thousand was the budget. It grossed five million in the box office in nineteen seventy five. That's wild. Yeah, that's that's the Avengers in nineteen seventy five. You know, like yeah, Monty Python, man. Like even even rewatching it, like you know, I I didn't watch it over and over and over and over again as a kid, but like rewatching it in this last week just really brings you back to a time where it's just like you know, I watched this on VHS. Like I had a VHS yeah. of Monty Python yeah. and the Holy Grail, and it it was I was pleasantly surprised at how well it held up, you know, forty some odd years later. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Like being younger, I used to watch it over and over. Um, as of the, uh, I mean, this is kind of whatever. Uh, the Castle Anthrax scene with Sir Galahad where he goes and he bangs on the door and it's super dramatic and he's dripping wet and he bounces on it and then opens it up and there's this gorgeous lady and she's like, Oh, this is the castle anthrax. Cause he sees the Holy grail light above it. Yeah. <laughs> she comes in and she's talking about, uh, you know, Oh, why don't you stay? And we'll help nurse your wounds and all this stuff. And then you go to this other room where like these girls are bathing each other and stuff, but nothing's <laughs> really shown. But as like a teenager, you're like, Oh, all right. And yeah, that there's just so many parts in this thing. I mean, we could literally go through the movie scene by scene and I would I would be out of breath by the end of it just from reminiscing on how funny each of the scenes were. Yeah. It's just one of those movies that, that tickles me like to the point where rewatching it this weekend, 
I was tickled pink to the point where Tiff turned to me and just looked at me and go, are you okay? I'm like, <laughs> I just, this gets me in a, like, there's a special place in my heart where it just hits me. It's the perfect kind of silly humor that yeah. just, ah, it just hits it, so it's good. It's such a great subject. You know, when you talk about Arthur and Sir Lancelot and Excalibur and, you know, it just, <laughs> I love that that time period that medieval time period and they just take it in such a way and even like there's no good graphics in it when when he chops off the black knight's arm you can definitely tell that it's just like a fake arm with you know blood squirting out or whatever like it's it's not fancy nothing's fancy but it not only does it not take away from the humor of the movie but it almost makes it better that it's just cheap and cheesy the writing of it was so good that the special effects needed to not be. Yeah. Uh, it's the, there's the, uh, the, the killer rabbit of Cava Blim. I can't remember the name, but like it first starts off as this fluffy little bony. And then like they send in a couple of their extra nights. And then it's so clearly like a fake stuffed animal, <laughs> but just the way like it shoots from one and then jumps over to the other and rip it out their throats. Just so over the top. It's the rabbit of Carabinog. Gabalach. Carabinog. And then, yeah, this is where he throws the holy hand grenade. The holy hand grenade. Yeah. And then <laughs> having the priest read the instructions. One shall count to three. Three <laughs> is the number it shall be. Not one. <laughs> not four. And five is outright. Like, it's just so <laughs> like silly. Like, oh, wow. And it blows it up. <laughs> Even... When when God appears to Arthur to send him on the quest for this holy grail, they immediately bow down. And he's like, do not grovel. He's like, I cannot stand groveling. And this is God talking to King Arthur, you know, and he's just like, stop apologizing. <laughs> yes, my lord. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Why are you turning your, oh, we cannot look at your, your great, you know, your grace. And all. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> Even God was pissed about it. Is uh, the, the castle where they go roll up on that castle and it's the French people, and they're just like you, at one point they they shoot a cow at them. They catapult a cow at them. <laughs> they throw livestock at them. It's so like, and that's where the Trojan com- bunny comes in, where they they do this thing and they push the bunny in, and they're like, and what we'll do when they wake up. Or when they go to sleep at night, we'll pop out the rabbit and we'll, and then they're like, oh, we're not inside. And so they launch the freaking Trojan bunny <laughs> at them and kill one of the, uh, one of the squire, one of the horses. Uh, it's so, gosh darn, like the minstrel for Sir Robin is like singing about, like normally they, they build him up, but this minstrel is like the anti-minstrel where he's just tearing him apart, telling him that he ran away and how he's a coward. <laughs> even, even to the point of how they end the movie, you know, away from the quest and everything, but like them getting arrested, yeah, <laughs> you know, like it, it's such a random end to <laughs> It's a modern end to a medieval movie yeah. in, in such an odd way. And you're just, you're left sitting in awe because you're just like, wait, like it's what, you know, because it's, 
the quest is over in a sense, I guess. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's amazing. Yeah, and they have it's a weird amazing. intermission in the center that like doesn't go anywhere. It just is like here's an intermission for a movie that's only an hour and a half. And yeah, like, and it only lasts a minute, but you're like, all right. <laughs> yeah, like thanks, uh, I guess. Yeah, they get arrested at the end, which is the like this weird undercurrent where they keep showing the poor murdered historian. At one point, his wife is there, like over his body that's now covered in a sheet by the police, and they're like, "What is going on?" <laughs> yeah, like it make it makes no sense. Oh, and then Tim, uh, the the you know the <sighs> shooting off all the fire. Like no matter what, he's just shooting so much explosions. <laughs> your name he who can produce fire without stone and flint they call me tim (laughs) (laughs) it's so dumb (laughs) crossing the bridge like uh for you to cross uh to get to the other side you have to answer these three questions and like they're like okay what is your favorite color what is your name? What is your quest? And then he's like, oh, that's it. Okay, cool. And then the next guy, what is it? you know, gets to the color and he's like, uh, blue. I mean, green. Ah! Yeah, this is to cross the bridge. They have to answer yeah. three simple questions. What is the air velocity of a land-based swallow? <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it back. He's like, uh, no, he responds, um, European or African? And he's like, I don't know. And that's how the gatekeeper gets the <laughs> watch. Uh, but yeah, each one of these guys in this movie plays like three roles through it. It's so great. And there's that, uh, the prince who, who wants to escape the castle. And, and he keeps trying to break out in this song. And his father's like, nope, nope, nope. We are not doing that. We will not have that here. Yeah, because <laughs> doesn't he send, he sends the note to what is it lancelot and lancelot thinks it's from the princess yeah yeah and goes and murders like storms the castle murders a bunch of people in the wedding party only to find out that it's not from the princess it's actually from the prince (laughs) yeah and then the king turns around and he's like oh you'll do you're a knight i need a knight and like kind of befriends him and then as they're going (laughs) People try to rush him, and he like pulls his sword immediately, super aggro aggressive, and just stabs another person. He's like, No, 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 stop, stop, stop. Ah, <laughs> uh, there's just, uh, yeah, there's so much the yeah. shrubbery, the knights who say knee. Uh, oh my gosh, it, it's people have to watch this one because it's you, you really should, you know, like we said in the beginning, it, it's definitely a movie that I grew up with. Um, but this is Rick's nostalgia. It meant more to him, especially growing up, than it necessarily did to me. Sorry about that noise. I know you didn't hear it, but they're gonna hear it. My virus and threat protection is up to date. <laughs> but again, from you know, a lot of people are gonna get turned off because of the year that it was made. And what's cool is this is a movie that even now you could sit down and watch with your kids. You know, a 12, 13 year old kid could easily watch Monty Python's movies and still laugh like there's they're genuinely funny they're well written they're intelligent and even 40 plus years from when they were released still hold up the test of time you know it's not it's not like going and watching a 
a old Three Stooges or a Charlie Chaplin, you know, silent film or something where, yeah, they were artistic. And during the time, this was humor. The humor from 1975 still fits today. Like, I mean, that movie still holds up beyond what I could have ever asked it to. I think that's the charm of doing it and kind of doing a, a, a pseudo take on the Arthurian time, because that kind of puts it in a place where it doesn't have to be period accurate, you know, of the seventies. It's definitely like, I mean, you know, there are a few scenes where it's a little modern and you can see it, but it's definitely like, it's almost the low budgetness of it all, but it's also well-written where, you know, 30 years after seeing it, it's still like, hits that sweet spot where we're catching jokes that as a kid went over my head. But as I'm older and I understand things better, oh, it's like, oh, I finally understand the political joke that the peasant makes about how it's not a good idea to base your entire government off of a lady in the lake giving out weapons. Like, we even talk about that where he gets like wrapped up by Arthur and he's like, he's oppressing me. Do you see this? He's oppressing me. Because they're like a commune instead of like a, he's just like, he's technically Arthur is their king because they're, he's king of the Britons. And these people do not recognize him as a king because they are a a democracy pretty much in this little township. (laughs) We take turn on who's the leader. Like, there's so many of that, like little things that, yes, we could go through this movie and spend two hours dissecting every second of it. And just talking about how funny stuff, because there's, oh my gosh, it's ridiculous the amount of stuff that's in this movie. And all I could say is, yeah, people got to search it out, watch it. But gosh. Yeah. If we were still giving out retro review, that would be all the Cheeto fingers. Yeah, it'd be like um, uh, uh, five uh, Black Knight limbs out of five. (laughs) Yeah. I'll bite your legs off. <laughs> I'll nibble an ankle. Get back here. You coward. <laughs> As he's just a stump. There's no arms he or legs. No arms it's or a head in a <laughs> He's still talking shit. So, yeah, that is uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, released in 1975. And we cannot recommend it enough. Yeah, it's it's pretty great, but uh, I think I think that about does it for this episode, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Unless you got any thoughts or any kind of points on that, because I feel like we covered it while we were chatting about the uh, the film, kind of throwing in our antidotes and kind of our love and and where why it is so regarded for us as one of those movies that just is worth pulling out every few years to go, man, that is solid. That yeah. is so good. It, it really is. And and no, I don't have anything else to add. I think that was a, a great pull. Uh, something I didn't realize I needed to watch again in my life. And, and I appreciate you bringing it up because it was hey. well worth the hour and a half of time that I spent with it. <laughs> that being said, um, I am still streaming on the Facebook page and my Twitch page. I would appreciate you guys to go check that out. Uh, a lot of retro games and stuff coming up on there. Uh, as always, you can find me at Retronomapod on Instagram. You can also search the Retronomapod page on Facebook. We have a group page and we have a uh, creator page, a podcast page. Um, 
go follow both of those. Just search Retro Anomalypod on Facebook. Uh, and twitch.tv slash tobytobe. Um, you can find me on there. And I'm hoping that we will be doing at least a video feed of the podcast sometime soon, kind of live. Chances are that is only going to be on the Facebook page. So if you're going to go follow one of them, follow the Facebook. Uh, but that's everything that I have. Where they get you. Yeah. Um Zero Kilter on most of the socials. Um, follow me on that stuff. Facebook page, place to go. Come have a chat with us. Share your ideas. Uh, let us know what you think of Monty Python for sure. And we can just have a a, a quote thread there. Um, uh, but yeah, I think that's it. Uh, I think we'll close Before this out. We get there, I do want to say, and it's sure. more of a pat on the back for you and I, uh, something we did not bring up in the beginning of the podcast, but. We made it to 20, dude. Congratulations. Oh, this is 20. Holy cramoly. Episode 20. We made it 20 episodes already. Hot dog. That's five months. Five months we've been doing the pod. 20 episodes. Yeah. So, Uh, as always, we just want to thank the guys that are listening. Guys and gals. I don't want to say misogynist shit. I want to thank everyone that's listened up until this point. We hope you are enjoying it enjoying it uh we hope to make it better every time and we do have some big things coming up i think we're gonna get better on the quality i think we're gonna get better on content so go follow us on all social stuff because a lot of the fun stuff will happen there and uh again thank you guys 20 episodes it's been fun as hell yeah absolutely i share that sentiment 100 thank you guys um don't forget to share like review uh definitely review if you guys review us on on apple um, it seems like the only one where you can actually leave a review. Um, we'll share it. We'll talk. We'll talk you up on the um, the uh, the episodes here. I do think um, it's the only place that you can review, though. It's kind of weird. Yeah, to like write out a physical. I wish you could do it on Spotify because seems like Apple and Spotify is where we get the most listens. But that's here or there. Let's take you out the way we always do with the weird question of the week. And since we did Monty Python and the Holy Grail, it seemed only appropriate to go out this way. <clears throat> To pass, you must answer these questions. Three. What is your name? What is your favorite color? What is your quest? (laughs) Thank you guys for joining this week's episode of the Retro Namapod. We will see you all next week. 